Hello, beautiful souls. My name is Ursula B, and welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together podcast. You're going to join us in the celebration of some Black girl magic, some self-discovery, and empowerment. So this isn't just a podcast, but it's also a movement and definitely a sisterhood. So I want to let you know that our tribe has gone over. Can you hear this? <laughs> My audio. <laughs> and we're back. Hey, Candy. All right, you had some technical difficulties, but I am back. So, yes, as I was saying, our tribe has grown over 100,000 downloads in over 70 countries. So, we are global, okay? So, if you want to join this movement, hit that subscribe button on this YouTube channel, share this live with at least two friends. Make sure you follow us and add me to your, your streaming platform and give a girl, give girl a five-star review. So we're ready to get our shift together. I want you to press play, get ready for some laughs, some love, and everything in between. And let's get this podcast party started. <laughs> For the queen, sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self esteem. Beauty supreme and Buddha walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure, you got to love a black girl getting a shift together, black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, man, these black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, dog. All right, and I am back. So tonight we are going to have a masterclass. That's what I'm going to call it, a masterclass in some topics that we do not like to talk about. I do not like to talk about it, but I'm also in a season, and I know you all are in a season of growth, and I also realize that this is a cycle and a part of life. So I have this wonderful guest coming on board. And she is going to give us some insight. And I'm going to bring my lovely guest, Petra, out of the waiting room. Hello, beautiful. Hello, hello, hello. So glad to be here. So glad you are here as well. How's your day been? My day has been good, I have to say. There's no snow in my neck of the woods, so it's a good day. <laughs> oh, that's right. You are up. Yeah. 
So um, I grew up with snow. If I never see it again, I'm actually okay with it. <laughs> me too. Trust me. Me too. <laughs> we need to be on an island somewhere, right? Yes. We do. So everyone, this is the level Petra Gordon. Um, I'll let you tell everybody, you know, who you are, what you do, and then we can go into what the topic of discussion is today. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Ursula, for having me on your show tonight. My name is Petra Gordon. I am a grief therapist, grief coach, and grief educator. And uh, I focus on just helping people to navigate grief and loss. And I specialize in working with widows, widows who have lost their husband either through sudden loss or uh, anticipatory grief where the loss was expected. But really, I have a heart and passion for widows. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that um, as to where that passion comes from. But I'm just excited to be here. Thank you so much. And I want you all put a one in the comment section. If you think Petra has this, her voice is like a warm blanket to me when it's really cold outside. It's like a warm blanket. I don't know. Her voice just gets me. It's very comforting. Oh, okay. We already have a lot of love coming in. Welcome, oh, Petra. Thank you, thank thank you for you. being here. Oh, thank you so much. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Come get this commentary. I love it. So let's get right into this topic of discussion. We're going to talk about how to cope with grief mm -hmm. and loss. Yes. And um, what has been your catalyst? Um, you talk about that you your specialty is with widows. Do you want to share some more about that? Sure. So back in 2018, mm -hmm. um, my husband, he died unexpectedly. So I was about 38 years old at the time and he was 42. And I left him for maybe about an hour, uh, came back, found him unresponsive um, in his office in our home. And they tried to resuscitate him. Yeah, but he, he didn't make it. He didn't make it. Are you serious? Yeah. I didn't know that um, when I've gone through your IG, I guess I didn't go far back enough or maybe you didn't, I just, that was my assumption that he had right. been ill. I didn't know well, that. Well, I mean, he did have diabetes. He did have kidney failure. But at the same time, I never anticipated that he would be, that he would die. Like, I just felt like, okay, he's going to bounce back. He'll get a kidney. It, I mean, I just had this expectation he's going to come through this. And so it was so shocking. Like, I had no preparation for him to be gone in a blink of an eye. So... That really, that experience um, set me on this course. But I got to be honest, I initially wasn't even looking to serve widows or do anything with grief. In fact, I was like, I don't want nothing to do with widows. I felt I was young. I felt that this was ridiculous, that I was a widow. And so I was just like so resistant to it. But I really feel like God, God nudged me. Um, and that still small voice kept on getting louder and louder. What about the widow? It yeah. got so loud I couldn't ignore it. And so that's what really got me on the journey to say, let me serve widows. And then when I started to see how people treat those that are grieving, I was like, oh my gosh, what? How are they yeah. treating the widows? Treating widows are just people grieving. Like it was very, um, people will say insensitive things. They will say things like, well, you're still young. 
So you can get married again and have kids. Meanwhile, my husband just died. Or maybe if you were here, he would have gotten help sooner and he probably wouldn't have died. You know, what? so there's things that people would say that were so insensitive. Or they'll use scripture, because I'm a Christian, and they'll mm. use it almost like a cliche, as if by you quoting that, it changes the fact that he's dead. So there were all these things. I was like, this is wild. I'm like, people really don't understand how to support someone grieving. They really don't know. And they're causing unintentional harm because of that ignorance. And so that sent me on the journey to say, I need to learn more about grief and how I can educate people because folks are out here hurting folks that are grieving. Wow. I did not know all of that at all. And I love what you said about we need to learn. So if I can share and sprinkle a little of my lived experience. Sure, absolutely. So matter of fact, I had mentioned it briefly a couple episodes back when I was 10 years old. There's certain words I can't say on YouTube, but I remember at 10 years old, you don't think about kids unaliving themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened with one of my classmates. And that's the first ever death that I was encountered with someone close to me. And I remember I went home and I told my one of my parents. And they were like, just get over it. That's the cycle of life. Mm-hmm. It was only 10. It, it's it, You'll be fine. We wow. never talked about it ever again. And I physically felt that in my chest. Yeah, I mean, 10 years old, I didn't know that um, body keeps the score and none of that. I just knew I had this weight on my chest. And then decades had gone by where no one close to me had passed away. Right. 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 So now here I am this year. There's been several losses. And I'm like, I just, and it took me a while to figure it out that I just, I never learned how to grieve. I didn't even know that that was a thing, but I do believe when you stay still and quiet, mm-hmm. things come to, I just had these downloads and I was like, I don't know how to grieve. Yeah, And I didn't know, I know that healing isn't, um, what's the word? I know it doesn't have a handbook, right? but I just don't know. I do know you can, it's okay to feel your feelings and cry. I cried so much this year. I mean, so much, but I don't know. I just feel like I want it. I need it more. And I don't know. Anyways, and I'm going to, I let you know, but I want to let the listeners know that Mm -hmm. I had been wanting to reach out to Petra for, it's been 11 months now. (laughs) (laughs) And I, because I've had so much loss over the past years, it's like every six weeks, Mm -hmm. I just, wasn't ready and a lot of people who listen to me we have some of the same group of friends dear beautiful souls and i was like you know what i'm just gonna do it i'm gonna do it and i press the send button and now here we are on december 27th <laughs> i love it i love Thank it that's you. awesome but i i said all of that to say is that um it's always good to have a support system and that if we don't know, we don't know, and it's okay to ask for help or seek counsel or, or insight from people like yourself who mm-hmm. do know or can right. share tips. Right. Yeah, that was a lot. But um, 
like how how was your family were they the same way as well just insensitive but not meaning to be that way friends and family well here's the thing that i've learned about grief we all it's universal grief and loss is universal but we all grieve differently we all manifest it differently and mm-hmm. i think for me uh, my husband my father had died the year before from als and then my husband died the following year but the grief that i experienced with my dad was very different from what i experienced with the loss of my husband and so when i was navigating through that loss for me i was like well am i doing this right because i wasn't i was still able to function and so in my mind, when I thought about what grief should look like, I shouldn't be able to function. I should be maybe in a fetal position, curled up somewhere. And that wasn't my experience. And I thought maybe I'm in so much shock that as time goes on, I'm going to have the breakdown. But it never came. And so that's when I started to learn that we can't compare our griefs with one another and say it should look like that. No, we ought to really allow ourselves to explore our own grief and embrace our own experience and be okay with the fact that it may not look like someone else's doesn't mean I'm not grieving because it doesn't look like your grief. Still grief. It just may look different. Is there such a thing as the wrong way to grieve? No, there's none. There is not a wrong way or right way. The right way is the way that is best for you, which can look different for you and different for me. So some of the things that people would say to do um, for grieving, that didn't resonate with me. And so that's why I always encourage people, explore, get curious to find out what really meets my need and helps me move through this and work through this because it's not gonna be one size fits all. We can give suggestions and say, you know, maybe you can try this or have you considered that? And some things will land and some things won't. That's why we don't say to people the six stages and this is the way it's supposed to look and there's no flexibility. No, I believe that we all can navigate through grief and it can be different. And some things that are helpful for me may not be as helpful to you. And so we're learning what works for me on this Mm -hmm. healing journey. I love what come get this commentary said. She said, yes, he or she, I'm not sure. But they said, yes, the look of grief is different for everyone. Grief is not a cookie cutter format. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. That's a, that's really good insight. Um, In my child's mind, I'm thinking that it was a playbook. Yeah, no. (laughs) I wish it was that easy. I wish it was as easy as the six stages and, but grief is not linear. It is not this, it is, it is unpredictable. It comes in waves. One day you're feeling okay. Then out of a sudden you get triggered and it knocks you down. Like it's just, it, there is no box for grief. Right. And we can't right. put it in one. We can't. Anyone that tries to mm-hmm. doesn't understand grief. Hmm. So you talked about grief being linear. Are there any balances where it's not someone, linear. You, it is it's not, not linear? linear. No, Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Since grief is not linear, is there any way a person, how can a person find balance 
where they want to honor the memory of someone, but they also want to move forward? Or is there such a thing, even with the healing comes the, um, what is it? The survivor's guilt with it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, It's possible to heal and to take steps forward. I feel that the first thing that we need to be able to do Um, is acknowledge the pain. Most times, most people don't want to deal with the pain. And so sometimes the coping mechanisms um, can be harmful to us. So sometimes people move into substance use and Mm -hmm. overuse of substances. Sometimes it's like using sex as a way Mm -hmm. to deal with it. Some people just dive into work and it's just, let me just keep busy so I don't have to feel this and I don't have to deal with it. But the truth is, it doesn't go. And so we have to be able to work through it. And that's the only way really to move through grief is allowing yourself to feel it and work through it. And I mean, I could tell you, there was so much resistance that I personally had. I was like, "Can can I just step on the gas and just power through this? It wasn't possible. I had to stop resisting and just allow myself to feel the feelings, feel the hurt, sit with those feelings and know that it's temporary. It will pass. And it does. It comes and it goes. But when you say it's temporary, um, how do I word this? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is temporary, but can temporary be, I know I shouldn't put like a, a timetable, but right. what if temporary is decades or weeks or months? I mean, is that a thing as well? Mm-hmm. When I say temporary, I mean the, 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 the magnitude of the pain. So how I felt on day one, and sometimes even now when I have waves of grief, I feel the pain of that. I'll cry. I'll have those moments. When I say temporary, is that the same intense, intense, Feeling of pain is not constant with no break. I may feel the pang of the pain and then I allow myself to feel it and then it will go. And then there may be another moment in this another season where I'll feel the peg of that pain and then it will be released. And so it comes and it goes. But in terms of grief, I'm of the belief that grief never dies. It never ends. Mm. My mentors would say, well, when do you stop loving the person that you that has died? Oh wow. Well, you never stop loving the person who has died. So the only way for you to no longer grieve that person is for that love to have died or for that person to come back to life. And so I'm of the belief that grief is love. And so we're mm. always going to carry grief. The key is not to allow grief to dominate our lives so that we're no longer functioning. And we're no longer to able to still enjoy the things that are good about life. So when you say no longer functioning, what, what does that look like in your brain, in your mind's eye, when someone's, when you say, when you can no longer function? Because sometimes I, I feel like you can have functioning. Absolutely. Grief or depression and Absolutely. like you said, power forward. Absolutely. And I was one of those people. I, yeah. I, on the outside, looked like she was, oh, she looks, she, she bounced back. She's doing great. But feeling empty, feeling unfulfilled, feeling like something's missing. Nothing's really bringing contentment, just existing and not living. And that's functional. Dysfunctional or um, not being able to function. I shouldn't call it dysfunctional, but unable to function is really not being able to do some of the, the day-to-day basic things. 
to bathe, to teeth, to eat, um, take care of your kids, to take care of your home, to return to work. Like it's affecting your life to the point it's detrimental, right? Mm -hmm. And I was moving to a chronic state where you're not able to really function in life by doing the basic day-to-day stuff. So that's what I mean when I say not functioning, meaning it totally has shut you down and it's prolonged. It's going beyond the four months. It's going beyond six months. Now we're going into a year and it's just like you have shut down completely to life. And that, yeah. So some of the, the, the ladies that take your courses or in your, in your uh, program, what if they say that they've been feeling like this and how do you, how can you tell if it's depression and or grief or both? Right. And so the ones that I work with in my private practice, they've had different losses, whether that be sibling, brother, parent. Um, And so I would say for the most part, the ones that I've been dealing with, they're still being able to function, but they'll have periods where the tears will come at different times. The relationships start to get impacted. So maybe if they have a boyfriend, you know, they're just not able to Um, really connect with that person for them to understand what they're going through. So they may be short, they may be um, abrupt, you know, and it may be feeling like that that partner may feel like they're taking it out on them. It's just Mm -hmm. not knowing how to deal with all of these emotions and things being out of control. So it's really starting to help people to focus on where they are right now in terms of understanding how they want to be feeling, how they want to be functioning, and what does that look like for them? Because it looks different for everybody. Absolutely. Really getting them to narrow down, okay, you're behaving in this way. It's impacting on your life this way. How do you want to be experiencing your grief? How do you want others around you to experience you while you're grieving? I never thought about that. I never wait. Repeat that first part again. How do you want your grief to be? How how do you want to experience your grief, and how do you want those around you to experience you while you're grieving? If you're not naturally a person that snaps and that is angry and that's agitated and just difficult to be around, you gotta mm-hmm. ask yourself: Okay, do I want those that generally love me to experience this? which could be painful of me being short, of me being critical, of me shutting them out. Do I want my loved ones to experience that? And if Mm. the answer is no, how then can I be intentional with my own healing so that those around me can experience me differently? I'm not going to hide my grief. I'm not going to suppress it. I'm not going to pretend like I'm happy, but I'm learning how to model and show those that love me how to witness my grief in a way that is where they can hold space, which is being neutral. So you're not judging me, but you're allowing me to feel what I feel without being critical of it. And then I'm giving you grace because this is new for you too. And you don't know how to support me. Wow. I never thought about, I never thought about the other person or, well, let me back up. I think about the individual's family, like they're mm-hmm. immediate, but I never right. thought about, okay, well, my friend passed away. So I'm thinking about their siblings, but I'm not thinking about my friends who don't know her or Absolutely. them. Absolutely. <laughs> I never thought about that. Absolutely. I had a client that was, you know, 
people who love her, but they didn't know how to be around her. And she didn't know how to help them be around her. And so they would give unsolicited advice, thinking that she needed them to tell her how to be. Maybe you should just do fill in the blank. And so I was like, well, they're not going to know. And it's, 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 hard, it's hard for us to wrap our mind around the fact that we have to educate people around this. But we do because we're so ill-equipped as a society when it comes to grief. And so I encourage clients, let people know what's helpful and what's not. Mm. Let them know, you know what? I know you love me, but the unsolicited advice is not helpful. So what would you suggest that they say? Because I just feel, I feel certain things are just cliche. And I, I've always felt like you have to say something, something comforting. So then I hear and I've said even the cliche, oh, I'm sending condolences, definitely the prayers, because I, I feel very empathetic for right. anyone going through that. But, you know, like, oh, I'm sorry, but I, I had a, a, somebody I know years ago, her parent, her mom had passed away. And she, she told me, she said, it aggravated her more when people would say, sorry, is there anything that they can do? Because the mm -hmm. one thing she wanted was to have her mother back. And she knew that no one on Nobody. this planet can make that happen. You got what it. What do you say? And that is and that is the thing that we have been misinformed about because we think we need to say something. We feel that, and this is, this is the thing that we all naturally do. I want to fix it. Here's the truth. You can never fix this because you can't say anything that's going to make this feel better because you can't bring that person back to life. Right. And so what I say to people, forget trying to say the right thing because you're not going to have anything that's going to make this feel okay. But I tell people is be present with them. That means sit with them. Sometimes silence is the greatest gift that you can give someone. You can say, I'm sorry. You can mm -hmm. say, I'm thinking of you, that I love you. You can embrace people. You can sit with them. But you don't have to fill the room with words because I know in my own experience, that didn't help me. I often would leave this group of people and go into a separate room just to be away from all of the cliches and the things being said. I found more value in people just being present, whether that's cooking me something to eat, whether that turned on gospel music, but they didn't have to feel like they have to try to cheer me up. In fact, if people try to cheer you up while you're grieving, that can be offensive. Allow people the grace to feel what they feel. Ah, oh. Petra, you are just hitting on so many. I never, I never thought about that. And just, oh, now that I'm even thinking about it, because in therapy, I didn't know. I mean, I know now that parts of me have that people pleasing part of me and that rescuing and mm. to fill the just fill the air up with noise. Yeah. And you know what? It's less about the person grieving and more about ourselves because if we're trying to support someone, we feel uncomfortable that they're going through this. And so we try to say things not necessarily to help them, but to make ourselves feel better. So we think this is what's going to help people. You know because what? Because this is what would help me. But it's like, honey, that does not help me because it's not even about me. It's about you. 
Is that it's selfish? Yes, it's so selfish. It's very selfish. But people, I, I'll tell you, this hoax just blew my mind. I'm like, I am. I don't understand. But people are selfish. They will get oh. upset with you because you don't return text messages or don't call them back or don't. I'm just like, but if they're if they're not responding to your text messages, give them grace. But again, it comes back to people making it about themselves versus about the person who's actually grieving this loss. And so we got to step back and say, is this about me or is it about me really supporting the person that's grieving and what do they mm. most need right now? Care enough to ask the question, care enough to be able to adjust what's a knee jerk reaction, which is let me fix, let me just say the right thing. Yes. And just say, I'm here. I also tell people, look, anticipate some basic needs and ask permission to fill, fulfill those needs. Maybe it's helping with laundry. Maybe it's helping with the kids. These are things that you can anticipate. She may need some support. He may need some support with. And right. let me ask, can I do these things for you? And let them decide yay or nay. Don't assume. Don't assume. So what, oh, you all, I see all these comments coming in. I'm going to read, I'm gonna read them. Okay. But um, you just you're dropping a lot of gems because you actually you're really unlocking something, and I Good. know I'm not the only person that's feeling this this unlock. And to go back what you said about um asking, I've never asked, but I do know firsthand someone that they, they lost their uh their child in a horrific way, and right. I would send her text messages, and I would tell her. You don't have to reply. I just want to let you know I'm thinking of you or whatever. This was a while ago. Yeah. So when I saw her maybe about nine months later and she did say, she's like, you know, Ursula, I'm glad you said that I didn't have to text you back. Yeah. And that always stuck with me. And I really never got upset that she didn't. I mean, that right. is a lot, but I will admit now that you have unlocked that my past ways has been selfish. Not maliciously, but it's still selfish. To 100%. But everyone, everyone has that experience. I, I didn't know any better because how would we? Who has had these conversations? Who has modeled to us how to navigate grief, how to talk about it? How to, we've seen no examples of this in our life. Even what you shared when you were 10, that 10-year-old, like brush it away, keep it moving. That's how we dealt with grief. And so mm -hmm. we got people walking around with unaddressed grief. And then when someone else is hurting, it's so uncomfortable to us. We just do, we just want to put a slap of Band-Aid on it and rush them through so that we can feel better. And it doesn't work that way. Oh, my God. That That's so true. Yeah. Because it's it's triggering. I feel like, like it's a ping pong trigger back and forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did it make you feel when you would be in these rooms and people were unintentionally saying these statements to right. you? Let me tell you something, the real truth. I remember one time, it was probably the first week after my husband died and people were just coming in droves in the home. And I just felt so like, I was there in body, but I felt so alone. And here I was night after night, you know, preparing food. And, and I was like, 
my mom and I went to like this patty store to get patties. And I just felt like I was erupting, like I was like a volcano ready to explode. And I said to my mom, I feel like I'm going to explode. And she's like, don't worry, let's get to the car. We got to the car and I said, I want to scream. She's like, scream. And I screamed to the top of my lungs in that car. I had to release the tension that was building up inside of me. And what I love about my mom is that she didn't say, come on, why are you being so emotional? Relax. No, she held space. She was mm. neutral. She allowed me to release that tension because if I kept all of that in me, that would cause me illness. Mm-hmm. And so you want people around you that can hold space and be neutral and allow you to feel what you feel. Right. Whatever it is, if it's crying, if it's, uh, I need to scream, whatever it is, give that person the grace. And so I've had to learn how to find ways to have an outlet because I recognize that the society is grief illiterate and Ooh. they likely will not give me the support that I need because they don't know how. And so I had to find ways to move through my grief because I knew I wasn't going to get it from people. I knew that already. This on how people were responding to me. I mean, it was just wild. I write it in my book. I talk about some of the crazy stuff. It's just, it was wild. I was like, what is going on here? I just don't understand this. Did you ever go off on anyone and just- You know what? No, I did not. I was just, I was confused. I didn't get really? it. Because my father had died and people didn't treat me this way. But people be like, um, you know, Petra, we should get together for tea. I'm like, yeah, sure. Crickets. There'll be no follow-up. There'll be no actual scheduling of anything. It was just people giving fillers to say things that they think they should be saying, but there's no follow-through. And so it's kind of like, wow, what is going on here? So if you're going to be helpful, then follow through on that help. And that whole question of, um, you know, if you need anything, let me know. Don't ask that question because you really don't want the answer to that. People say that because that's the thing they think that is to say. But it's yes. so loaded. It's like, there's a, a thousand things that you could do, but will you really do it? So nope, the griever is not going to tell you. Ooh, it's too loaded. So I say, don't ask that. Anticipate what are some basic needs? And with permission, ask, can I do this for you? Can I run these errands for you? Can I help with the food? Can I help with the kids? Do, right. Can I walk, go with you to the funeral home? Like anticipate the needs. Don't ask them. If, if there is anything, because yes, there is a whole lot. I'm sorry. I'm getting passionate because I no, I want you to, cause I'm learning. I, I'm just, <laughs> this is, because this is new for a lot of us. Yeah. Um, I feel just in general, especially black people, like we, we had to be strong. I mean, going back to our ancestors, emotions, you would be unalive. Okay just having that. So I just feel sometimes it's just been ingrained in us just to keep yes. it moving, keep yeah. it pushing. Cause we got, we got things to do. Right. And 